In a world that often feels overwhelming and discouraging, discover encouraging words for a discouraging world. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos, a new book by Dr. David Jeremiah. You'll discover how to face your circumstances with unwavering confidence and hope. Yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $70 or more, Dr. Jeremiah will send you his comprehensive Encouraging Word set. Request these resources at davidjeremiah.ca. Some Christians work hard to grow spiritually. Others are just glad to be heaven-bound and hardly work at all. Do you relate to one of these groups? Do you belong to one? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the importance of diligence in the life of the believer as he continues the series, Everything You Need. To introduce his message, Muscular Faith, here's David. You know, we live in a world of uh, easy believism, and there are a lot of Christians who think you say yes to Jesus when you're saved, and then you just kind of float down the river into heaven without any challenges. But real Christians who really understand the call know better than that. It takes a great deal of diligence on our part to stay focused, and uh, when we get knocked down, to keep coming back up. Someone once told me that Christian life was nothing more than getting knocked down and getting back up, getting knocked down and getting back up all the way to heaven. I don't know if that's true or not, but sometimes it feels like that, especially recently in my life. But I know that God is there, and He gives us diligence to face every day. Sometimes you have to get up in the morning and make a list of the first 10 things you need to do for that day, and regardless of how you feel about them, do them. Do them with diligence. And let them lead you to the next place. We're going to talk about this concept of diligence as it's found in the Bible. And uh, we'll be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 3. I need to tell you that much of this lesson is based upon my life verses, Colossians 3, 23, and 24. And it means a great deal to me. I hope you will listen carefully. There's some powerful truth in this lesson. We have a really neat uh, book for you during this month, brand new, just off the press. I think this may be the final uh, in the series of the rules, the sea rules that Rob Morgan has written. He did the Jordan rules. Uh, He's done the Mediterranean rules now. And this is a series of studies, 10 studies, 10 strategies for navigating life's tempestuous seas. God helped Paul navigate a storm. You read about it in the book of Acts. And the lessons you learn from that experience are amazing. I wrote a whole lesson on the leadership of Paul just from Acts when he took his people through the storm. This book will help you, encourage you, be a big part of your go-forward library, and we want you to have it for a gift of any size during the month of February. We're into the new year now. We need to settle into our giving and be faithful to what God has called us to do and what he's entrusted us with. So whatever you can do, do your best. And whatever that may be, when you send your gift, ask for your copy of The Mediterranean Sea Rules by Rob Morgan. You're going to love this book. Well, here we go. This is Muscular Faith, you guys. What a great title that is. Faith but not faith that's lying around waiting for something to happen, but faith that includes diligence. From Second Peter chapter 1, here's Muscular Faith, part 1. I don't know what your political view may be, but whatever it is, if you watch the televised funeral of George 
H.W. Bush, you probably wiped a tear from your eyes more than once. When George W. Bush gripped the pulpit, he bent over, choked in grief, and he called his dad a great and noble man and the best father a son or a daughter could ever have. That poignant moment occurred near the end of Bush's eulogy of his father. And as I listened to the tribute, I was particularly struck by one statement. The younger Bush said of his father, he taught us that a day was not meant to be wasted. He played golf at a legendary pace. I always wondered why he insisted on speed golf. He was a good golfer. Well, here's my conclusion. He played golf fast so they could move on to the next event, to enjoy the rest of the day, to expend his enormous energy. He was born with just two settings, full throttle and then sleep. (laughs) I believe the Apostle Peter was a full throttle guy too. His adrenaline never seemed to run out. And he encouraged his readers to be fully engaged in their pursuit of Christ and the Christ-like life. In this passage of Scripture that we're studying, which is 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter uses a word that is frequently found in the Bible. It's the word diligence. That's a quality I keep bumping into whenever I read the biographies of productive, effective people. People of yesterday, people of today. One of the common denominators of people who seem to succeed is they're known for living a life of diligence. One of my better-known heroes as a pastor is a man by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I've quoted him in books, and you've heard me mention him in my sermons more than any other single figure. Back in 1850, Spurgeon, in his mid-teens, decided to follow Jesus Christ. And he started preaching the very next year, and there's just no stopping him. At age 19, he became the pastor of the New Park Street Church in London. And almost instantly, no auditorium in London could hold the crowds that were coming to hear this man preach. With few or no notes, he stood in the pulpit and with great eloquence expounded the word of God. Without question, he was a brilliant young man. So stenographers, this was before the recordings that we have available now, stenographers would sit in the audience and they would record his sermon that way. And he would edit them immediately after the sermon. And the next day on Monday, his sermon that he preached in church on Sunday would be in the London newspaper in its entirety. By the end of Spurgeon's life, the total volumes of his sermons represented the largest single set of Christian books by one author in the history of Christianity. How many words was that? Well, he had 3,561 sermons bound in 63 volumes filled with 20 million words, the equivalent of the 27 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. And by the way, he died at the age of 57, and maybe there's a reason the way he lived, you know. (laughs) Spurgeon was an amazing person. He was a ravenous reader. His personal library was over 12,000 in number of volumes. He usually read six books a week. He devoured commentaries. He read works that were written by Puritan writers. And if you've ever tried that, that is not easy reading. 
He read newspapers and periodicals. His Bible was always open. His pen was always working. He answered correspondence. He started dozens of agencies, benevolent agencies. He published a magazine. and The magazine was called The Sword and the Trowel. He established a college where he lectured. He wrote one book after another on many subjects. And he often worked 18 hours a day. He preached 10 times a week. Now, the problem with everybody who tried to figure him out was that he was like George H.W. Bush. He had two speeds, full throttle and then sleep. He once said, I love this statement. He said, a man cannot be idle and yet have Christ's sweet company. Christ is a quick walker. And when his people would talk with him, they must travel quickly too, or else they will soon lose his company. (laughs) He imagined that his life was like that. And one day he said, the sin of doing nothing is about the biggest of all sins, for it involves all of the other sins together. Horrible idleness. God save us from it. So there were two men. One was a president, one was a preacher. They both shared a common virtue. They were both men of diligence. And they both changed their world. Let's face it, men and women, we don't get very far if we idle through life. When your car is idling, it's not going anywhere. And when you're idling, you're wasting the one resource which is not recoverable. You're wasting your time, the very hours of your life. So I want to talk to myself today and talk to all of us about the importance of diligence. First, let's talk about understanding the heart of diligence. According to the book of 2 Peter, diligence is an ingredient that we need to withstand the pressures of this world. The Lord offers divine resources to us, but we have to grab hold of the things that God has given us, those special great promises, that great power that he's made available to us, all of his provisions. Those are a gift, but what do you do when you get a gift? You unwrap it, and hopefully you use it. And God has given us such a gift, and we need to do our part. If we're going to experience true transformation of character, we have to understand what diligence means. Now, I want to read this passage from 2 Peter 1.5, and I think you'll get where I'm headed. Peter writes, for this very reason, and you have to stop and ask, what reason? Because we've been given all this from God. For this very reason, he says, giving all diligence... Add to your faith, giving all diligence. Now, what does it mean to use diligence in your walk with the Lord? The term is used by New Testament authors, and it means to make every effort to act with urgency, to be earnest, to be serious about it. Don't take it for granted. It pictures the kind of an effort a runner makes when she's approaching the finish line and She finds a new burst of energy, and with that last burst of energy, she comes across the line. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, Diligence is steady, earnest, energetic work. And the original author of that dictionary, Noah Webster, was himself a dedicated Christian who published his dictionary in 1806. He was known for his diligence, working day and night for many years to produce his world-famous dictionary which defines 70,000 words and helped to shape the American language. His definition of the word diligence is still the best I've ever read. It's in his dictionary. Steady in application, constant in effort to accomplish what is undertaken 
attentive, industrious, not idle, not negligent. So that's what God calls us to be. And I know that when I read that, that's sort of convicting to me. Am I that way? Do I live that kind of life? You know, you can live life without being diligent. Do you know that? You probably know some people like that. They're just happy to be here. What do you do today? I don't know. I'm just here, man. Good for today. Whatever. Whatever. That's their favorite word. (laughs) Well, the book of Proverbs helps us to understand how important it is that we understand what we're talking about today. Proverbs 12, 24 tells us, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be forced to labor. Once again, in Proverbs 13, 4, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent man shall be made rich. So if you had to define what it means to be diligent by what we just read in those two verses, you would have to say to be diligent means not to be lazy. You say, well, there aren't any Christians who are lazy. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, a lot of Christians think that they've already arrived in heaven and they're resting on their eternal joy. The Bible tells us that as believers, we are to trust in the Lord, but that doesn't mean we're to go to sleep on the job. Now, until now in this passage that we've learned, Peter has been telling us about God's resources, his sufficiency, his precious promises, his desire for us to live above the ways of the world. But now there's a shift in the text, and Peter is going to tell us that the kind of life we're called to live because of what we've been given isn't a life of automatic pilot. It's effort. It's diligent. In verse 5, he says, giving all diligence. It's not just diligence. It's all diligence. The word giving all diligence could be translated, do it with intense effort. Work hard at it. Don't just put in the time. Do it with seriousness. Do it because you really want to see it happen. Don't just float through life, but live your life with diligence. How many of you know that you don't arrive at immediate spiritual and moral perfection the moment you are saved? Can I get a witness? Many of us, when we become Christians, we bring into our walk with Jesus a lot of the stuff that we had in our life before, and it takes a while for God to get all of that out of our lives as we trust him. So if you become a Christian because you put your trust in Jesus, the last thing in the world you want to do is go to sleep right inside the door. You want to ask God to help you work diligently at your life and do the things that God has called you to do and grow in maturity and take the blessings that God has given you and unwrap them and utilize them in your life every day. Make that your purpose. Make that your divine determination. The meaning of diligence. Now, what is the motivation for diligence? Watch this. For this very reason, Peter says, for this very reason, giving all diligence. Well, what reason is he talking about? He's talking about what we have been given. We have been given so much. God has given you everything you need for life in God. And some people will say, well, that means I don't have to do anything. I can just relax now and rest all my way to heaven. No, Peter comes back and he says, for this very reason. What is the reason? Because you have been blessed so much by God. For this very reason, add to your faith diligence and everything covers it all. It's not just your spiritual life. I think God wants us all to live diligently. That doesn't mean we have to be all, you know, energy bunnies. I I know some people, they burn all their energy, but they don't go anywhere. They just sort of, you know, they just move. 
But God wants us to do what we do with a purpose. And I want to tell you something. I know a lot of people here think that when you get to a certain age, that's not true anymore, but it is true. Every day we need to get up and ask God to do what we do for him with all of our hearts. And let me tell you something. This everything I'm talking about covers everything. Overcoming temptation, achieving maturity, developing purpose. Everything that you need to do to be a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better student. Everything you need to have an exciting personal ministry, do it with diligence. All these divine resources are given to you. Now take advantage of them with all of your heart. And when you understand that, it'll light a fuse in you. It'll make you realize, man, I've been given so much by God. I can't just sit here on this. People ask me all the time why I'm still doing what I'm doing at this stage of life, whatever stage that is. (laughs) You heard about the lady who said she was 49 and holding? Her little grandson said, Grandma, how old would you be if you let go? Well, I don't know how old I would be if I let go. I love what one man said, you know, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? (laughs) But age isn't anything. Age has nothing to do with where we are and how we live our lives. We may not always be able to do some of the things we used to do, but I always think about Caleb. You know what it says about Caleb? He was as strong when he was 80 as he was when he was 40. That gives me great hope. Amen? That ought to be a goal for all of us. So let me just ask you this question. How do we incorporate diligence into our lives? Are we living a diligent life? Am I living a life of diligence? Do I take every day as a gift from God, realizing that he's given me all these great promises, all this great potential, and my goal is to max it out for his glory, to give him everything I've got and leave nothing left to look back on that I wish I had done? Let me show you how important diligence was to Peter. He devoted nine verses in this passage to the subject of living a godly life. And twice in this little passage, he talks about diligence. He talks about how important it is. He says in verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. And then in verse 10, he says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. God has given us everything we need through his great and precious promises so we can live a truly godly life. And for this reason, we should be diligent to take advantage of everything he's given to us. Now, let's pause for a moment and acknowledge this puts us right in the middle of kind of a hairy confrontation among Christians. And it probably goes something like this. And you've maybe heard people teach this. When you become a Christian, you rest in the Lord you rest in the Lord. Amen? I believe that. That means you trust him. And then other people say, no, when you become a Christian, you get up on your horse and you start galloping toward heaven. (laughs) Some people say Christianity is let go and let God. And they're very passive about their faith. I've noticed as I've watched them that many of these people don't grow. They don't fall in love with the Lord more. They're not actively pursuing the Lord. They're not actively trying to serve the Lord. I would rather run the risk of being too energetic for God than not being energetic at all. I would rather say, Lord, slow me down than Lord, speed me up. And that's, I think, what's at the text in front of us. God has given us all of this. Now, here we are with this wonderful mother load of blessings from God. 
and here's what we're supposed to do with it. There's another passage in the book of Philippians that helps us understand this. Let me just tell you what it is. Paul was writing to the Philippians, and he said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in as in my presence, but now much more in my absence, watch this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now let's unpack that verse for just a moment. Please don't misunderstand it. Paul didn't say to the Philippians, work for your salvation. How many of you know you can't work for your salvation? It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't get to heaven by doing good things. But after you become a Christian, you can allow yourself to do some good things. You know, I know a lot of Christians who know that being saved is not by good works. So they assume they don't have to do any good works for the rest of their life. They become Christians, but they're not very good Christians. The Bible says, I love Paul's word. He said, Philippian believers, work out in your life what God has worked in. Work out your own salvation. For it is God who has worked in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Someone told me that's like a mine. God has worked the elements into the mine. He's put the gold in the mine. He's put the diamonds or whatever's in the mine. God put it in there. But you have to go and work it out. God's given you all these precious things we've talked about, all these blessings. So what do you do with those? Work them out. And the Bible tells you not only will God help you, he will help you to will it, and he will help you to do it. And the Bible says the reason that's true is it's for his good pleasure. So God wants active Christians. God doesn't want Christians who are just sitting around memorizing the books of the Bible and counting the toes on Daniel's beast. That doesn't work. <laughs> what we have to do is get involved with what God has called us to do. And how many of you know God has a calling for all of us? There's not any of us here that God has not given a gift to. Every one of us who's a Christian is a gift. There is not such a thing as a giftless Christian. We all have gifts, and our responsibility is to take that spiritual gift that God has given us and develop it and make it the best it can be and use it for the glory of God. Make sure that we diligently follow God's plan for our life. Now, let me explain to you what the word add means. You know, it's only three letters, A-D-D, add. Add to your faith virtue. Now, I'm going to tell you how this works in the passage. Listen carefully, because you've got to put your thinking cap on for this. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, Peter gives us a list of eight things. He says, seeing that these things are true, for this very reason, using all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to your perseverance, godliness, to your godliness, brotherly love, to your brotherly love, love. And then the Bible says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, go back through this list with me and watch what's missing in the text. He says, brothers and sisters, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self What's missing? The little word add. It's understood, but it's not present. So the little word add is only in the text one time, but it's understood to be in there six times because it's the missing word in the way Peter describes it. Add to this and to this and to this, but the word add would normally be in the text. Are you with me? Everybody got that? Well, you say, why is that important? It's important because the word add is an incredible word. 
And what that means is that when the Bible tells us we're to add to our faith virtue, we're not just to give it a lick and a promise. We're to lavishly give ourselves to the process of developing that virtue in our lives. Add to it. Throw yourself into this thing with all you've got and add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge and all through the list. That's what the word add means. Well, these are interesting, challenging things. We have everything we need, but with everything we need supplied, there's some things we need to do. And that's what much of this series is about. Tomorrow is part two of Muscular Faith. I hope you'll be with us then. Hey, friends, we're going to Alaska in July, the 13th through the 20th. We'll be sailing at Holland America's Eurodam with musical guest Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega and special sports guests Tony Dungy, James Brown, Daniel Jeremiah, and David Todd Jeremiah. We will have some wonderful nights together talking about football and how football is oftentimes a picture of what it's like to live the Christian life in the ups and downs of the season. These two guys are great Christians, great friends of ours. And of course, Daniel, who is with the NFL Network, knows more about football than I ever dreamed to know. So we're glad to have them all. We'll have a great time. Hope you can come. Find out about it at davidjeremiah.org. See you tomorrow, friends. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Everything You Need, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. 10 God-given strategies for moving forward. This helpful resource is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Everything You Need, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Seneca, the Roman orator and writer, had this touching perspective on the troubles we face in our lives. He said, The things that are hardest to bear are sweetest to remember. I'm not sure what led Seneca to that conclusion, but I definitely know what leads me to agree with him. 
The most challenging time in my life was dealing with a life-threatening illness that God graciously brought me through. And I can honestly say, looking back, that it was the deepest period of spiritual growth in my life. It was another confirmation that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.